On behalf of Lineberg Information Services, this is Bob Keebler, and joining us today is Attorney Jonathan Blockmacher, and we're here to talk about the basis consistency rules under Section 1014F. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you, Bob. It's great to be here with you. Jonathan, last summer, Congress passed 1014F, and recently the IRS has issued regulations. Today we know that returns need to be filed by June 30th, 2016. Can you give us an overview of these so-called basis consistency rules? Certainly, Bob. Actually, there were several sections of the code that were either added or amended to bring about this so-called basis consistency rule. The purpose of this is to try to ensure that people who inherit property from a decedent when they go ahead and they have to deal with that property from an income tax perspective, for example, if you've inherited a piece of improved real estate for purposes of depreciation, or if you're going to sell it for purposes of measuring your gain or loss, they want you to use basically the estate tax value. The two principal sections by which that occurred is 1014F, which basically requires beneficiaries to be consistent in using basis and basically making it the same as the estate tax value subject to some special rules, like if there's been some adjustment in basis during the administration of the estate before it's distributed to the beneficiary. And Section 6035, which puts a duty on the executor to file a special return if the executor has had to file an estate tax return and also for the executor to give that basis information to the beneficiary who receives the property or if by the time that the return is due, which is 30 days after the estate tax return is due to be filed or if earlier when it's filed, uh, that has to be sent to the beneficiaries as well. Jonathan, please tell us about IRS Form 8971 and when it has to be filed and to whom it has to be sent. Yeah, Bob, 8971 uh, is a form that has to be filed by the executor within 30 days after the estate tax return has been filed or if earlier, uh, I'm sorry, when it's due to be filed or if earlier when it's filed. For example, maybe you file early or maybe you're on extension and you don't use the entire six-month extension period, once you file a return, you have 30 days and you have to file it with the Internal Revenue Service. In addition, you have to send uh, Schedule A of 8971, which lists the assets to any beneficiary who is going to inherit that asset or has already received it or who might receive it. So, for example, if you have four children, as residuary takers and you have a bunch of stocks for example and the stocks could go to any one of the four children you have to send that basis information to all of them within 30 days and that's the rule that's got to be uh, adhered to jonathan i understand there are special rules dealing with assets that weren't originally reported on the estate tax return but are later discovered could you walk us through those roles, please? Sure, Bob. Although, like many things in these proposed regulations, the results are not entirely clear. Basically, the proposed regulation states that if you find a later discovered asset, 
and the period to assess estate tax hasn't expired, then the taxpayer can report those later discovered assets to the Internal Revenue Service basically on an amended Form 706 and then fill out the form by which you advise the IRS and the beneficiaries as to the value, and that won't be a problem. However, the proposed regulations indicate that if the statute of limitations has run, which means you filed a return, whether you were required to or not, and the period to assess the state tax has now expired, again, typically more than three years after the Form 706 was filed, then the value of those later discovered assets or the basis of the later discovered assets will be deemed to be zero. And what if the mistake is bigger? What if I have a client, their assets add up to exactly $5 million, they decide not to file a federal estate tax return, even though they're within 10% of the exemption, and later it's discovered that they should have filed a return. What, what's the service's position in that case, Jonathan? Well, Bob, the uh, law's position is now that you know that you're over the filing threshold, even though it may be way beyond the normal filing time, you are now required by law to file an estate tax return, assess the tax, pay the tax. You will also pay interest, and possibly you will pay a late filing penalty. That depends on whether or not your failure to file on time was reasonable or not. But in that case, you would report the assets, you would file the form with the Internal Revenue Service and send Schedule A of that to all the beneficiaries who receive assets which are not exempt. So in that case, the rule seems very clear. So what if I just fail to file altogether? Are you saying that all my property has a zero basis until I file a return? No, Bob, because you're not required to file a return if you're under the filing threshold. So if you, for example, believe your estate is only, let's say, $4.5 million and you choose not to file a return, uh, the statute of limitations will never run. And if you find a later discovered asset, even seven or eight years after the decedent's death, and now you're above what the filing threshold was when that person died, uh, you should an estate tax return, and because you're within the limitation period, the assessment period for tax, you would file the return, and when you file the return, 30 days later, you should for, file Form 8971 and send the information to the beneficiaries. If you simply are never required to file a return because you're under the filing threshold, of course, the statute of limitations for estate tax purposes will never run. Uh, and if you find a later discovered asset, but it still doesn't put you over the filing threshold, you're okay. The difficult case for advisors, such as you, Bob, is if you have an estate where you say, well, we're not at the filing threshold, we think we've found everything that should be includable in the decedent's estate, and you say, but just to get the statute of limitations behind us, let's file a return. You file a return, you disclose, let's say, $3.8 million in property, the statute of limitations will run in the normal course three years later. If after that three-year period you do find a later discovered asset which would push you over the filing threshold, again, good news, you don't owe any estate tax 
because the statute of, of limitations has run on the assessment of tax. You can't even voluntarily pay the tax, uh, but now you would have a zero basis apparently for everything. Let's say that we simply fail to file a return, and of course the statute never runs. Is it true that under these regulations you actually have a zero basis until you go back and file that return? Well, I don't know, Bob, what you mean by unless you go back and file the return. Again, if you have n never filed a return, uh, then you're under an obligation to file a return to uh, find that you're over the filing threshold. But if you are never over the filing threshold, uh, because you're always under the uh, estate tax exemption, now about $5.5 million, uh, later discovered assets wouldn't matter. If you've filed the return and reported values, and then you find something, and you thought you were under the threshold, and you filed that way, and then you find these later discovered assets, it's clear that the later discovered assets would have a zero basis. I'm going to guess that the IRS might contend that even the assets which you disclosed on the estate tax return have a zero basis. That would be a very harsh reading, but we'll have to wait and see how the final regulations come out. Many of the questions, and there are dozens and dozens of very serious issues, and this is one of them, Bob, people are requesting that the service clarify in the final regulations, and I believe that that will be made clear. Jonathan, what is the general consensus of the prominent lawyers that you talk with regarding whether the Treasury reached a little too far with the zero basis position? Well, Bob, that, that, that's a good question. There are several things where it appears that the Internal Revenue Service may, or the Treasury Department actually, has gone beyond what's authorized in the statute. As you know, Bob, under the Chevron case and, and under the Mayo case decided by the Supreme Court, regulations are basically valid unless they're arbitrary and capricious. Basically, they just don't make any sense. They're contrary to the specific wording of the statute. There's nothing in the uh, r statute which says you can have a zero basis for an asset. However, when you take a look at 1014F, which talks about basis consistency, it is at least arguable that 1014F overrides the general rule in 1014 that basis is equal to fair market value on the date of death or alternate valuation date if there, that has been elected. So I think, Bob, that there is a reasonably good chance that that regulation, which provides for a zero basis, would be enforced and found valid. Can't guarantee it. And this also has been brought to the attention of the Treasury. And I'm sure when it comes out with the final regs, it will say something if it wants to continue to have that rule and why it feels that that is uh, something it can do under the regulations, under the guidelines of the Chevron and the Mayo cases. And again, when you take a look at 1014F, it is at least arguable, I don't think it's the strongest argument, but it's arguable that because of the consistency requirement, maybe it overrides the fair market value on date of death rule that's otherwise contained in Section 1014. So uh, there is one thing kind of from a fairness perspective, Bob, that perhaps we should mention. 
I believe the law provides that if your employer gives you a non-cash asset, let's say for your birthday your employer gives you a brand-new Cadillac worth $50,000, you're thrilled, you drive it around, your employer never sent you a W-2 or a 1099 for that, and you figured, hey, this was just a present because he likes me, even though I'm an employee, and that's not includable in income. Well, it's almost certain that it's going to be includable in income, and the rule is that when you later go to sell that asset, your basis is zero. It was worth 50000 at the time you got it, but you never included it in income. And the rule seems to be from an income tax perspective, because you never paid income tax on it, you're going to have to have a zero basis. The service probably feels the same thing should apply here. Clearly, these basis consistency rules do not apply to a surviving spouse who receives property under the marital deduction. But, of course, she or he would not pay a state tax on it otherwise. But anybody who would be a taxable person like your kids or your friends or a trust for your family, they would normally have to pay a state tax on the bequest. And because no estate tax is paid on the bequest, the service apparently feels it can stick you with a zero value. Again, I am confident there will be more about that in the final regulations. Jonathan, apparently there are many unanswered questions in both the instructions and the proposed regulations. I say that with all due respect. I know the people at the service have worked very hard on these regulations, and it's an impossible, almost thankless task. Please tell us about those and what practitioners should do about those open issues. Well, Bob, that's, again, a great question, and my advice is do the maximum. For example, there's a question as to whether or not you should report to a beneficiary who's receiving a dollar or pecuniary bequest, uh, but which could be funded with non-cash assets. You can make a very strong argument that beneficiary who could receive assets in kind, non-cash from the estate, uh, shouldn't bother to get basis information. But like many things, and especially here because there are penalties, I would suggest over-disclose. That's going to be problematic to some people because they don't want to give information to the many beneficiaries, especially those who are very unlikely to have a serious basis issue. But in the meantime, I would recommend that you over-disclose. I should also mention, Bob, that I have requested that the service postpone any reporting requirement until 90 days after the regs become final. Otherwise, the service, I think, is going to drive itself crazy in making special rules and allowing 9100 relief. It's just going to be a mess. They're better off going ahead and saying, look, we're not going to require this on June 30. And as you know, Bob, that date has slipped again and again and again. And I guess it was just yesterday it became June 30. And they ought to just say it's going to be 90 days after the regs become final. We can all breathe a little bit easier and be able to handle this very complex situation in a much more consistent and better and more administratively easy way. Jonathan, this has been very insightful. And thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you very much, Bob. It's always great to chat with you. On behalf of Leinberg Information Services, this has been Bob Keebler with Jonathan Blockmacher. Thank you for joining us today.